Today's uh, sponsor for the show is Ample Market, and it's the platform to help you sell in today's environment. I've checked it out, and uh, as a sales guy, it is beautiful. Uh, it's a dream come true, one-stop shop with um, native data, easily to easily find the data that helps you close deals. They got built-in personalization, you know, tripling your response rates with hyper-personalized messages. It's multi-channel, so drive more conversions with next-generation multi-channel sequences and AI optimization. So let your reps focus on selling while AI takes care of the rest. So welcome to another episode of Sales Intersection. I'm fortunate enough to have with me today, I guess, Paul Garrido, and we have some history. We worked together five years ago where he came in fresh, you know, wet behind the ears and was an SDR, but showed a lot of balls and quickly quickly accelerated his path of upper mobility. Now he's, I think, what, senior global manager at NS1? Yeah, global director. Yeah. Global, global director. So I can no longer make the jokes uh, about him that I used to, but he's uh, had a very successful career. And um, I've had a lot of guests on this show where they've done a lot of keynotes. They're Forbes ranked number one. They've, you know, they do a podcast every day. And um, I, I find that there's a lot of people that, that deserve to tell their story. This is Paul's first podcast that where I feel like they're working just as hard, if not harder, and um, they're not given a podium to, to speak their truth. So um, we'll get into the weeds a little bit more, but I want to introduce you guys to Paul Garrido. And uh, I want to say thank you for, for being here and, and giving me your time. No, thank you for having me. Excited to get this first podcast underway. Um, let's let's dig right in into the thick of it. Yeah. So um, usually I ask some kind of background question. Yeah. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pretend we're looking at your LinkedIn. Cool. And instead of the LinkedIn rules of how you should go about the about me and what you should have under your title so that you're noticed. And instead of global man, global director, it's I'm serving people that blah, blah, blah. There's all these rules, right? LinkedIn algorithm changes. Now let's just pretend all those algorithms didn't, um, didn't exist. Yeah. What, first let's start with who is, if you, the title under Paul Garrido and you're, Forget about what you're supposed to do. What what would you say Paul Garrido does? What I do? Um, How I, do you help the sales world? I would say career coaching for SDRs, BDRs is probably like one of the things I'm particularly passionate about. Um, you know, young talent, you know, 
figuring out what they want to do, what they're passionate for, kind of uncovering a path forward for them. And because you, not not so long ago, you were there. I was, I was. I, I know the struggle. I know, you know the, the difficulty of you know kind of figuring out what you're you truly want to try out, do um, business needs versus, you know, what you actually want to do and how you kind of slot in there. So uh, just kind of helping people, um, you know, yeah, uh, extend a holding hand or, or whatever. Well, so what, what, at which point did your bosses feel comfortable enough and confident enough in you to transition you from someone that was kind of going from that world to, to now managing people in that world? At the time when that happened, um, when that transition happened, I'd say, you know, I, I'd give it, um, uh, uh, that's a good question. I'd give it, you know, they were optimistic, um, but you know, you never really know until someone's in the seat, right? I, I remember my boss's, you know, quote, you know, um, word for word, like, reality is you'll either do well or you won't, right? but the opportunity is there, right? So it's kind of him just, hey, here's the opportunity. Are you gonna make it happen or not? So yeah. uh, I think at that point, the, the business was young enough to uh, take that risk, um, extend it onto me based on the um, success I already had and the and kind of- um, Work ethic. Work ethic and just the, in general, the um, kind of, personality I had displayed and built um, consensus ac across the team. So, so you yeah, yeah, built your personal brand internally. Exactly, exactly. That kind of career capital uh, of just the, the success I had there, yeah. So yeah, to be clear, today's agenda, as promised, we're going to be focusing on three main agenda points, prospecting, career development, and then work ethic, uh, which are three areas that I, I associate with Paul. Um, so let's start with prospecting. There's, there's a lot of talk, especially among more of the bleeding edge sales communities, uh, sales rebellion, you know, you got JV Barrows, yeah. JV Sales. Yeah. Um, there's a slew of them, right? Steve Richard, Casey Jones, um, more and more every day. And it seems like they're all kind of going for the, the Netflix on demand. You know, you pay eight ninety nine a month and you can get all their information. Anyway, uh, it seems to me a large part of what they focus on right now is, uh, and, and there is a large focus on, on the SDR world. They don't focus so much on enterprise, but video prospecting. Um, what are your thoughts on going out of the box instead of email and cold calling and um, maybe being a bit more cerebral and not doing 50 calls a day, but doing 25 customized vidyard videos for your, your prospects. Yeah, I, I mean, I think anything that, that's customized, and you know, I, I honestly not even customized, I, I'll take it a step back, just honestly personalized, um, you know, you, you hear all these different rules about, you know, you know, you templatized is like the 80-20 rule, right? Where like 10, uh, 80% is templatized, 10% is customized, and the other like final 10%. You know, there's all these different tips and tricks and all that, but 
at the end of the day, I think any any way which you can kind of stand out and uh, just let the prospect know, like, hey, I'm 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 truly reaching out to you authentically because I think this product or service will provide value to you in this way, shape, or form, right? I, I think whether that's video, email, phone, you know, even gift boxes or anything, right? I, I've seen those some of those flying around and people like anything that's really like genuine and authentic and like hey this is why you are important like this is why I'm reaching out to you and I think this will really provide a value to the whatever business pain or problem you have I think that that is a great sales development motion um, video or not really um, it's just getting that um, why you, why now, that entire kind of element. I, yeah. I was really pressed the BDRs on my team, like really think about the why behind just reaching out, like let's not senselessly reach out and just, because everybody can do that, right? You can get some outsourced uh, BDR platform to you know, spread yeah, out 100, sure. and 1,000 emails a week, whatever. Um, but really like the ones I always get excited for, are, you know, hey, you know, guy, girl, whoever, um, reaching out to you because, you know, this is what we do. Uh, I thought this would be relevant for you for X, Y, Z reason. And the way we can you know, really help you out is X, Y, Z, right? Um, just taking it, that, that level of personalization and that time to, to really think things through. I mean, I think, I think, uh, being an SDR is probably in my experience, the hardest oh, part of my, the hard, hardest part of my whole career. You have no, you have no resume. So if I have Eric Jones has three goose eggs, and really can't look back at my resume and say, well, you know, he's exceeded quota thirteen out of sixteen times. Let's let's give him a break. It's uh, so it's KPI driven, it's activity driven. So really let, let's take social selling for example. Yeah. Social selling is not um, immediately connecting and asking for a meeting and and just spraying and praying and saying this is you know it's yeah. ten paragraphs. Do you have the patience? to, I mean, I think the, the old dashboard is archaic and updated. Um, uh, are there new KPIs, like um, maybe not how many meetings you get that week, but maybe that month, and, and the KPIs are, who are you talking to? Are you talking to C-levels? Are you talking to coordinators? Are you, um, so I, I, I feel the pain of social selling and the way it should be, but there's also a lot of pressure on the SDRs to get their KPIs met, right, week, yeah. week to week. So how do you kind of cross that bridge? Yeah, and I think that the KPIs are always a tough one, right? It's one where um, activity, unfortunately, always kind of has to be there to prove that we're trying to get those meetings. But ultimately, what I, what I always tell my team and everybody is, right, like the ultimate KPI that really matters, whether you're measuring on meetings or opportunities, um, it, it's really that fundamental, that final one, right? So whether you're getting it from, you know, a thousand cold calls or 20 cold calls, to me, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think that you can own that strategy as a BDR, right? Ultimately, if you're getting to that final quota number, um, however you, you do it, right? Find your voice, um, whether that's email, you know, um, you know being super tactical or whether that's your volume play or whether you're just you know, a, a connecting cell phone call, blitzing person, whatever it is, um, 
do that, right? Whatever gets you to success best, right? You said it at, uh, at the beginning, right? You know, we're colorful people. So it's kind of hard to say like, you know, hey, the, the math formula is you got to do a hundred of these and 200 of these a, day, a week and another like thousand emails, right? Like that's really all hypothetical and, and theoretical and really no one really has, has the formula. You know, there's, there's people out there that can really tell you, you know, you can throw in, um, you know, download some, some content, um, whatever data sheets or white papers to give you some indication uh, of really how many you should be measuring for. But at the end of the day, really all that matters is, are we getting to that final number? Yeah. And if so, like, what's your strategy, right? Like I have some BDRs that are fantastic at just like, um, hammering out calls, right? They love calling, talking to people on the phones. That's they're the, cold or they're yeah, cold. They have some intent. Yeah. There, there's some that are just super tactical about, you know, researching through Salesforce, LinkedIn, and it's like, Hey, you know, you're the right person. I'm going to send you like a nice, quick, easy note. And like, they both get success, right? So wh who am I to be telling like, Hey, no, like do less of what you're, what's helping you be successful and do more of this. Right. Yeah. Uh, that being said though, right. If you're not getting to that final number, we should always be looking at what's working for the other team members and kind of yeah. calibrate from there. Right. Uh, so it, it's always kind of a catch 22 because if the, the success isn't there, we gotta inspect activity or look at activity, uh, but not not all activity is created equal, is really what it comes what's, down to. What's the tool set you think, generally speaking, is is the perfect tool set for success at NS1? I mean, um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And when you're hiring now, um, I'm sure it affects, you know, the way you prioritize the requisites. Yeah, I, I think tool sets, um, first and foremost, I, I mean, I, I love, Sales Navigator. I think there is no better um, data provider, um, data set, you know, content provider. You know, you can bucket um, it in so many different tools, um, but it just gives you a wealth of information of that business, of that person. That again, you can really articulate a, a solid personalized email, right? Like, there's people out there publishing content, like per books, blogs. You know, just hey, you know. Podcast. Yeah, podcast, exactly. Um, but, you know, that, that all just shows that you really um, took the time to research them, right? It's not, um, it's not just a spammy email, right? So I love Sales Navigator. Uh, I live and breathe by it. You know, if you can uh, get super tactical on, like, what are your search terms and everything like that, I think, or your list and on what, whatever strategy, I think super powerful. Um, Personally, I love Salesforce. Um, I, I haven't really used any other CRM, so I'm a, a little biased, but I also think it you know, has a wealth of you know, information that as long as data is clean and there's data integrity to it, you can make a lot of solid um, business decisions off it, right? Data-driven yeah. decisions. So I'd say those two, um, I do like a, a Zoom Info and, and a Connect and Sell, but I'd probably say my, my top two are Sales Nav, um, Salesforce, and then like the three three others would be Zoom Info, Connect and Zell, uh, Sell and Outreach. Okay, yeah. so that you have you feel like you have a pretty limited sales stack. I know we have a pretty extensive one actually. We have a lot of different tools. And do you, do you feel like they're all being taken advantage of? Uh, that's what's kind of interesting now, right? You got you got a ton of tools that do like. 80% of what others can do. And then some do like 50%. 50 
it's a we definitely have a bit of tool sprawl um and probably uh, warranted because we just want you know full uh contact data coverage right whether it's us americas um europe asia right like there's different data providers that provide better data around those technographic data right there's a ton of stuff out there so um yeah in anything around abm account-based marketing yeah that falls more in marketing's um marketing's wheelhouse i do know they use you know hubspot the uh, caliber mind is one they brought on recently that really kind of shows you engagement scores and what accounts are engaged with us uh, over others and you can kind of prioritize and see what they're engaging with and yeah i mean all that all that stuff is super valuable and right? seeing who's actively researching us so then we can make some sort of outreach strategy towards them yeah um, a little plug here uh sponsor for today ample market oh. i would check it out it's nice. kind of a one-stop shop for abm for oh, data collection direct numbers over 40 million people oh. um great case studies um i mean basically you don't have to toggle between all those steel stacks um so i was i was mind you know it was mind blowing for me i checked it out last week and um i'm still ample market amplemarket.com yeah yeah and uh they're experiencing some explosive growth some great great case studies deal not sure if you heard a deal anyway um that's a plug for the day but uh but it 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 it, it speaks to what we're what we're talking about um so prospecting one last question and then we'll get into the next the next uh the next theme um do you feel like i mean with abm abm really speaks to the dark uh funnel right the fact that people on average go through the the buying journey yeah uh, 64 70 percent of the time without engaging a salesperson yeah so you would think that it would be more more focus on the you know enterprise guys and intercepting them um at a point where they already know enough information where they know what to say when to say it who to say it to where to say it um which would make me think that there'd be less emphasis on prospecting do you agree or do you feel like that's that's not going away prospecting definitely not going away yeah no chance i think like you, you you think of all the different issues businesses have today and i i really think you know outside of you know marginal things whether it is um you know culture or whatever you want to call it right like i, I do think when you, you're looking at sales specifically a lot of problems can be solved um with prospecting um you know whether it's pipeline coverage pipeline generations sales revenue right it all it's all really a funnel at the end of the day um so the the, the more you have coming into the funnel um you know, prospecting yeah. the, the better the results downstream right better data on conversion metrics who you know who really are our as our target buyer like are we missing something generally and like it, really all that comes back to top top funnel which is prospecting motion so and I'll add one more question if you were going to take your SDRs out on a um, one day sales training right now to address the biggest challenges they're facing, what would it be? Biggest challenges they're facing right now, what would it be? Um, 
biggest challenge that we're facing right now as a team um, honestly with COVID it's it's just kind of been a little all over the print all over the place in terms of like what what's been our um, method to madness we had a really solid kind of approach to it before um, COVID hit right we had um, you know, solid uh, data coverage with Zoom info, calling office numbers, and we'd have to kind of switch to calling mobile. But you know, in, in Europe, it kind of we don't have people as uh, happy us calling their mobile numbers. So it's it's all this flux. It, it really has introduced a certain level of like uncertainty into what our sales motion is. Right? Um, you know, we're getting a ton of bounce backs and and like out of office email. So like, are people taking longer vacations now? Um, and people not answering the phone calls. So I don't know, it just added a, a level of discovery. Um, so to answer your original question on like what training uh, would it be? Um, honestly, it's more like exploring what, what has, how did COVID introduce, like what's the new work style yeah. right like how, how the, are we going to pivot what, yeah like what are we work? really approaching here um you know you see so some, probably a lot of a b testing and exactly like what are we what are we really doing is it best to like go sales navigator linkedin is it better to go email is it better to uh, go phone and just like start having people on their mobile phones and just you know say pay for forgetting it's not uh um, yeah so yeah i think more than anything is honestly like going to um some sort of you know, outreach uh, .io or, or other sales uh, like event and just kind of seeing like what's the accurate data of like what's what's working out there yeah. uh, what are what are other businesses that you know maybe have a team 10 20x my size and just all right what's working for them are they getting a lot of success um, you know calling on you know engineers are they getting a lot of success on emails right you, you've seen all the sorts of data that was flying around through COVID like how calling dropped substantially and emails like went up 10x so everybody was just spamming away at everybody um so really like what what is working um to a larger degree of like what we see today in ns1 so i, I think it'd be that yeah um so moving on to career development and then work ethic which speaks more to the you know the Name the podcast is Sales Intersection of the Money, the, the intersection of money and meaning. Yeah. And I think this, this touches more on the meaning part. The career development, um, I'm just going to take a stab in the dark. Is that have to do with kind of um, forging these, you know, longer lasting relationships and, um, and being able to be with them long enough to understand how to work with each individual and have, you know, have that good feeling at the end of the day to, to see them go from uh, barely making it to, to thriving yeah. or, or what, what is the passion there for career development? I, I just think, you know, being a, a product of the, that system, right. And you kind of know the struggles, right? Like I, I went through what, probably three, four different uh, sales or entry level roles um before getting finally to take the next step and um it, it's 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 tough work man it's really tough work and you know when you find someone that is um 
particularly disciplined, excited, engaged, um, just really excited and you know, pushing it to the next level, whether that's in numbers, in execution, success, uh, just overall strategy, you name it, right? Like they're, I, I think it's, again, one of the toughest roles out there. And if you uh, can just, you know, um, really see beyond, hey, this is just like a, an SDR, like a number, and like now there's like really true potential in them to, uh, you know, they seem really, really good at crafting messaging. Oh, you know, they, they actually love uh, working with uh, customers beyond even like the, the first touch, right? You know, what is it? Um, I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, uh, what drives me kind of happiness there is just like, you, know, you didn't just um, linger or stay and like kind of stuck really. Um, not in like a negative way or whatever. It's more just, it's a really grueling job. And when you see um, someone get promoted and get that pay bump or get that title or get that, you know, transition to another department where they, they like, it's just super rewarding, right? Like, damn, this person was putting in some crazy hours, um, you know, knocking on doors. It's, it's work that, you know, CEOs probably wouldn't be doing, right? Um, you know, actually, in fact, they, they definitely wouldn't do um, in many cases when they're starting out. So, um, yeah, it, it's crazier, crazier hours than you. Uh, BDRs. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's some that, you know, are really, really put in the time. Right. Um, so I, I think it all comes back like uh, for anybody who really busts their ass for yeah. a, a really tough, tough job, like, uh, you know, giving them that opportunity to kind of just prove themselves in the next so it's, it's just yeah. rewarding um i'm not sure if you, it's kind of a burgeoning mm -hmm. industry where uh you know if i were to ask paul Grito, 10 years old what do you want to be when you grow up what would you have said oh at the time i was for some reason that um a firefighter i don't know back when i was really young i i loved uh that whole concept and that i think it was because i was I had a firefighter come to school. Um, I remember this in like really young uh, elementary school. He came and they all looked just pretty badass. And Torn up and scarred. Yeah, they were just honestly teaching us the basic of things. Like when you know, your house is in trouble or in a fire, what do you do, who you call? It's like teaching us 911, but I was like, oh, these guys are legit, you know? Yeah. They're pretty massive and huge. <laughs> um, I don't know, so I was like, they seem like cool, bunch of group. Little factoid in junior, uh, in, in high school, we had to shadow a certain job um, of your pick, you know, just to kind of get an idea of what you wanted to do. And I, I shadowed a fireman. Uh, oh, that's cool. But uh, bringing back to my point, not many people would say sales at 10 years old. Definitely not. I didn't even know it was a career, Yeah, to be honest. And part of that is there's no sales classes in elementary school, junior high, High school, um, yeah. of all universities, only 4% offer a, a sales-oriented class. 57% of college graduates end up in a, in a sales job or uh, entry-level or experience. What percentage again? Sorry. 57%. Yeah, sounds about right. So people are coming out of college and, and they're coming into the SDR world and it, it, could, it could be ugly, yeah. but there's a there's an industry now. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, where there 
even at the high school level, they're um, doing like these boot camps, 10 week, 12 week boot camps, where a lot of them are doing underrepresented folks that otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to enter the business world or sales world. And at, once they get out of the boot camp, they're, they're seasoned. Yeah. Um, has that ever come up in discussion over at NS1 or, you know, uh, an idea? Uh, of the, the boot camp or just yeah just uh how do we how do we um preclude um putting you know investing so much money into a new hire and then two months later having to get rid of them um you know because it seems like it could be hit or miss if they just came out of college and it's their first job and yeah yeah i mean the first thing if we while we do have some just fresh out of college hires, we don't necessarily hire fresh out of college. Um, we typically get you know, two, about two-ish years of experience. Um, doesn't necessarily fully have to be in sales, but you know, probably some related career. But no, I agree. I think that it's extremely valuable, right? It, it's like, I always think, think it's funny because you know, what is sales is probably one of the most uh, important business aspects you could ever learn, right? It's fundamental. You don't have a business without sales. Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah, so I think all these boot camps that are coming up and um, even my school uh, where I studied Bentley, like they pulled uh, or they created a, a sales program as well, right? Just from the need of all the surrounding uh, businesses that needed sales, sales yeah. talent, right? It wasn't hey, you know, great, you have a ton of accountants and uh, financial analysts and whatever else coming out, but also we need sales talent. Yeah. Right? And like, I, I think there's just this kind of bad cloud, um, at least there was a couple of years back and probably, you know, way back, like, oh, sales, you don't want to do that. Like the cold calling, like it's a boiler room, you know, phone in your face, you're in the, and you know, while there are places that are like that, right? Um, there are truly amazing places to have a sales career, right? That have a really solid career ladder planned out, treat their BDRs really well, can really expose them to a number of different areas of the business. And how would you go about identifying the best companies where, where there's not a toxic environment? I mean, Glassdoor, like... The... Yeah, I think Glassdoor, I think a lot of, um, I'd say probably Glassdoor, there's a ton of different kind of groups out there now, whether that's like uh, modern, I think it's modern sales. sales. Yeah, sales pros, um, you know, just kind of networking, right? Like Glassdoor is always a great one. LinkedIn's always a fantastic one to just kind of check around and see like, how long are people staying at the business at the SDR work, right? Do you see people getting promoted um, from SDR to SDR two or whatever, or to other areas of the business, right? Like you can do a quick look up yeah. and see all that. Glassdoor is always a great one, you know, they're they're kind of the, the top ones in the space, but yeah, I got you. Yeah. So last question on, on this topic. Um, you know, five years from now, do you see yourself focused mo mostly on prospecting and career development or do you see a change coming? In some way, shape or form, yes. Um, I think that's that's always gonna stay near and dear to me. Um, whether that is like a full on full cycle, you know. Uh, revenue manager, whether that's uh, sales development manager, whether that's you know another role entirely. I, I, I really truly believe like 
you could be an enterprise AE, you should still be prospecting. It could, yeah, your prospecting method could be like networking. It could be, you know, cold calling, whatever it is. But yeah, like that's five years down the line, no doubt about it. Like that will still be near and dear to my heart. And I think career coaching, right? Like you should always be helping those uh, in your team and otherwise, you know, help them out, right? Um, it's just like you've learned a lot in your sales career, right? There's a lot you've learned just your own career development, right? Like what are those nuggets, right? Like I'm super thankful of my, uh, the people in my path that have helped me out throughout my years. Like I certainly wouldn't be where I am without their support, right? And I, I don't know, I think it's just, you gotta give a little bit of that back to yeah. society, right? Like leave it a little bit better. And I, I'm, a, I'm a product of that um, you know, support structure. So. Sure, sure. Um, now moving into kind of the work ethic, uh, I remember, I, like I said, I was working with Paul at the Still Networks, which is now part of Imperva, and um, he would, uh, I, I was getting to the point where I was a little bit jaded, and this kid comes in, you know, first thing in the morning, left last at night, so I just kind of rode his coattails, basically. <laughs> And um, and leverage his, his motivation and energy and uh, and it was great. Uh, I think we both had you know we we both added value to each other's career, but um, but I just I was really impressed with his work ethic and so I asked you know some questions and um, do you want to get into that? I know that you have some family history that may, maybe there's some wiring there or do do you, do you disregard that? that component completely and, and you attribute your work ethic to something else. I mean, cause it is, it is in the, you know, 1%. Uh, no, I, I definitely attribute it to that mainly. Uh, I'd say that and just like stupid competitive, but in, in some ways, you know, even competitive with, with my family in and of itself. Um, it, it really all comes back to, you know, um, early, early young years, right? You kind of see, you know, grandfather made it from, uh, you know, pr practically being a nobody, uh, you know, from shining shoes really when he was young to help out, growing to be one of the first uh, and youngest, well, not first, the youngest um, chief of the Dominican Air Force and, you know, really building a, a really beautiful career, right? From there being a Supreme Court justice uh, from there, um, going to support like the um, collegiate electoral college, um, and then you know similarly, kind of from there, my dad uh, also kind of came from you know uh, really solid work, work ethic where uh, he started you know what something like a marketing associate um, level more more or less at a local consumer goods company and grew to. Uh, you know, at the, at the peak of his career, be one of the um, you know, leading people at a multinational globally, right? So kind of just seeing his work ethic play out, and one of the things he would always say to me is, you know, uh, the harder I work, the luckier I, I get. Um, you know, it's a pretty popular quote, right? You find it everywhere, but at the time I didn't think it was. I was just like thought it was him that actually made it up. I was um, kind of... Uh, young kid, uh, not, not really knowing much about the world at the time. Uh, but that just kind of stuck with me, right? And it really became real once I, I made it to the US, right? Like, I'm not gonna lie, I probably had a fairly sheltered 
upbringing, but once you come to the U.S. and you kind of see how competitive school is, you know, people are putting in some hours, and you're like, oh, oh wow, all right, like this is this is another level of you got to pick, uh, pick up your game, right? It's not uh, mom, dad, grandpa, whoever like helping you out, like it's the real deal. Like this is this is no joke, and you know, one of the things that uh, you know cer- certainly you know put. Um, some good work in college, but you know, I'll admittedly also did my fair share of partying and having a good time. And uh, you know, what the the final kind of wake up slap in the face uh, motion was um, when I was graduating. I literally didn't have a job, right? I was, I, I think Bentley. You know, they they really boast a nice you know career. Uh, uh, what is it? Something like ninety percent of graduates have a career or have a job before the graduation or something like that. <laughs> I was not a part of that number, right? I, I graduated. I didn't get my fir- my job, my first sales job, which I you know, kind of tripped into until what like three four months after I graduated, and it probably took what one hundred and twenty applications more. I. I mean, I was pretty much in a suit and tie every other day at, at one point, you know, the last couple of months of school. Um, and it was, you know, super, super demoralizing, not um, you know, getting any sort of offer letter and just seeing everybody around you get one. You're like, yeah, damn, um, I really got to step up my game and, uh, you know, kind of just be resilient. And that's kind of what brought me out here. And from there... Honestly, I was just kind of like, hey, I got a great opportunity. Not a lot of um, international folks get the opportunity to come to the U.S. Uh, long term on a green card, citizenship, whatever it is. Um, you know, quite frankly, don't fuck it up, right? Like, yeah, my my parents, my grandparents didn't have that opportunity. Yeah, um, it was really, uh, I, I, you know, probably um, in an unhealthy way saw it at the time, like. I can't let them down and I can't yeah. let myself down. So that just brought me like a whole nother level of competition of just, yeah. hey, they did that well with the opportunities they had at the time. I have an arguably a better opportunity. Yeah. Let's let's make it happen. So, so uh, now I want to get into kind of the concluding questions that may or may not have anything to do with what we just talked about. Yeah. Um, one, it does a little bit, but... You know, you have a reputation probably of being, you know, the stable worker, you know, dependable, reliable, right? Um, Do you still have that motivation you did five years ago? Or are there days when you're like, I don't, I don't want to be Paul Grito today? I I mean, I I definitely think like motivation comes in waves, right? It's not like a a line. Um, And I think, you know, the um, work environment, the cultural environment and the world in a whole as a whole um you know kind of affects that in some way shape or form but it's really up to that kind of self-motivation to kind of like snap out of it right like you know we all have bad days right you lose a big deal you you didn't get the opportunity you didn't get your number right like sure all right like that sucks you know go on a nice long run long bike ride hit the gym hard get all that stress that you know um anger whatever it is and then just how do you use that to get better right so um no there's certainly days and i just try to like really anchor myself in uh trying to stay active and and going and working on and which brings me to my next question what are you know maybe three or so things that you do outside of work that one up your game uh professionally um 
Yeah, two two things that I I'm a big fan of. First off, cycling. I, I love going out, riding bike, um, and going on long road endurance cycling rides. Uh, but even walking, honestly, I, I like always try to just if it's walking home after work, walking to work, uh, before work, going on one on ones with my team during a walk, right? Going to Salesforce Park, whatever it is. I really think there's a a level of um, authenticity that walking and uh, I guess that is part of work but walking is really solid you know if you want to pop in a podcast whatever it is that's really cool and then um, uh, third thing it kind of got me there um, I'll get back to you on that one uh, any meditation or uh... I, I'd say like walking is really kind of that meditation for me. I'm, I'm unfortunately one of those individuals that just can't sit still for too long. I, I just need to be kind of moving. Um, so my meditation, all, all, a lot of times, like I walked here, um, just walking, thinking. Um, the cycling is probably the big one that I, I yeah. really enjoy. And um, yeah. Yeah. Just so you know, he rides sometimes 100 miles a day on the weekend. He's been inviting me. Fortunately, he's been inviting me on some rides, pathetically uh, coming coming behind um, by about thirty minutes. But uh, I'm catching him. Yeah. Um, Actually, the third one to answer your question, I, I do think food and, and alcohol and all that stuff actually does play a big part in it too. So balancing it out on diet. So. Yeah, exactly. So just kind of um, when when you can, just really trying to eat healthy. I do. I have found that like what you eat, right? Like kind of does affect your body's energy levels and those can always kind of factor into work. And so just trying to be mindful, mindful eating more than anything. What's, what's like the new thing for you right now, eating wise, like the, the, the new kale, the new coconut juice, oh, the new man. pomegranate, um, the new acai berry. You know, for me, it, I wouldn't even say it's, it's any of that. I think my- The mixture. My, my big thing lately is just like, Tubs of Greek yogurt, just raw protein, love it. Yeah, in the morning and yeah, morning, evening. I mean, it makes me probably sound you know like some sort of hardo, but I just you know clean, lean, you know tastes pretty good if you get the right brand. So yeah, I say that. I I have been dabbling with the 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 good tea here and there, right? Um, I'm just such a coffee guy that it, yeah. I have to break that. And I have insomnia. Death Wish Insomnia. It's the oh. world's strongest coffee. Yeah, that it's illegal probably. in a lot of countries. Nice. So if you ever need to really, maybe we'll do one after the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then final question: um, Who would you say your mentors are? You know, the top mentors. Mentors. Um, three mentors off the top of my head. Um, Tom Batchelder. He's you know been my coach for you know since I got in tennis. One. Um, Andrew Valencia. Um, another close guy in NS1, um, you know, great friend, great peer, um, has helped guide the path many times along the way. And honestly, my, my boss has also been uh, a solid guy just helping me out. So uh, Kevin Romani, that guy, yeah, solid, solid team I got. And honestly, that, that all came from um, th this opportunity at, at this company I'm at. So um, yeah, great people. So got to hats off to them. For Do you think support. they know that they're, that they're your mentors? Uh, I think they do. Um, I, I certainly mentioned it to them a, a number of times. So, yeah, I'm sure they know. Okay, cool. Wait, well, hey, that's all, guys. Um, 
I know no one's going to probably watch this whole podcast. So uh, a new thing I'm doing is uh, based on the three themes of prospecting, career development, and work ethic, I'm going to have a little snippet, the highlight um, uh, attached to each theme when I post this and edit it. And so, you know, it's a little bit more um, realistic that you'll, you'll listen to it. Um, and more relevant to the central themes. So, um, Paul, any any kind of plugs you want to make right now? Or no, nothing super huge. That's uh, thank you for having me here. I'm, I'm looking forward sure. to seeing this podcast. You know, I, I think you're you know building something truly, truly unique, right? Like, uh, um, uh, we, we should make a plug about this. Great well, sales intersection. There you go. Um, no, I think it's a great, great kind of motto, right? It's it's really kind of the the blending of two worlds that no one else has really kind of looked at or uncovered, right? You have a lot of different podcasts on how to improve sales and but, you know, really what's what's the meaning behind the madness that, you know, there's so many of us out there that are really looking for that. So good content. Thank you. Thank you, man. Um, my only plug is check out salesintersection.com. You'll see all my episodes. Paul's will be up in the next week. Oh, yeah? Um, pretty soon I'll have my other services for sales consulting and whatnot. But... Um, that's all I got to say. You can Google me or, or why not. But um, <laughs> I've been waiting, waiting for yeah. to say that for years. Got you some SEO off of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Eric Jones is tough, dude. You got to be like Eric B. Jones, Eric Breakville Jones. So anyway, um, fabulous to have you here, Paul. And uh, of course, I'll let you know when this is going to be popping up. Oh, yeah. And um, we'll be promoting it on, uh, on on all the social facets, both me and Paul. So have a, have a good night, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sales Intersection. And stay tuned. We got um, some big news coming up and some big guests. So uh, thanks again. And see you next time.